You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. If you are a regular listener, you know that we dip into the mailbag on Tuesdays. Two-minute drill, Twitter Tuesday, whatever you want to call it. This is your show, your questions today as we're sent on Twitter to me, at BD Peacock, to Matt, at Williamson NFL. Before we get to some of those questions, Matt, here's an interesting one. And it's been a wild year for... 2020 first-round rookie offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson, who was drafted 29th overall by the Tennessee Titans. Less than a year ago, he played only four snaps in his rookie year. A ton of off-field and incidents with him. There, there was some whispers with him coming out of Georgia, and he was, I think, a redshirt sophomore, so the earliest possible time he could declare for the draft. He did so, and he's a mammoth young man, and he could move people in the running game and, you know, big and athletic. And I think the Titans and John Robinson, who's done a really good job with the Tennessee Titans, took a big swing and a miss with with this prospect in Isaiah Wilson. He tweeted out Monday night, I'm done with football as a Titan. No further comments. So that was it. And by the way, Ooh. by the way, a work ethic was one of the, the red flags for him coming out of Georgia. And his Twitter handle is lazy. So um, (laughs) red flag indeed. Right. And it's funny because I saw a bunch of people retweeting his tweet that said, I'm done with football as a Titan. No further comments. And his name is Lazy. And I it took me a while to even figure out who the who the player was. You get a lot of those where it's like, I don't know. And his name, it just says GG. And then it says Lazy is his handle. So it's like, I don't know who that is. I got to go dive in here and find out. (laughs) And then in in the locked on network DMs, I got some info from Tyler, who's the host of Locked on Titans, uh, at Tic Tac Titans on Twitter that had a little bit of inside info on everything that happened throughout the year for Isaiah Wilson, Matt. So let me break this down for you really quick, and then we'll get your thoughts on it. So he shows up out of shape, which is usually the big thing that you never want to happen after. Great uh, first impression. Because, well, first of all, you got to be in great shape because you're ready for the draft. Like, how bad of shape can you get from the last time teams meet with you and see you in March to you know, OTAs and, and rookie camp and then mini camp. That's right. only a few months. Like, I, I'm not Combine a good shape. pro day to rookie camp. <laughs> yeah, it's it took, not that long. Even during the pandemic, it took me from March to December to get really in bad shape, you know? So, um, <laughs> and, and if I was 22, uh, you know, there's there's really no way I could be out of shape. Uh, or 21. I think he's barely turning 22. He's a young guy. Shows up out of shape, late to meetings. He tried to jump off a balcony at a Tennessee State frat party during training camp. Got a DUI doing donuts in a downtown intersection. Got in a separate fender bender accident shortly after the DUI incident. Two stints on COVID, not because he had COVID, but he was on the list due to violating protocol. And <laughs> then a season-ending team-applied suspension for Isaiah Wilson. And now he tweets out that he's done, which is either him quitting or the team saying, yeah, uh, we've had enough of this circus for one year and let him know or his representation know that he will not be coming back with the Tennessee Titans and will be released. So a lot of turmoil for one year of a prospect, and and that's about as bad as it can go for a rookie in the NFL. Four snaps. There have been some players that played zero snaps, so I guess he's got something on them, four NFL snaps to his career so far and, and might not have any more. Did I miss... I don't think there are any injuries, right? No, I'm no. pretty sure. Oh, right, unless, you know, right. You know, I mean, like they, they were all basically 
self-induced stupidity, either yeah. breaking protocols or getting in trouble. None of them were horrible violations that I heard, but they were all immature type things. And more than anything, very unprofessional. You know, I mean, this is a job. I mean, th- you got to come in and make a good impression and taking a, a professional approach to being a multi-million dollar athlete. And I can't imagine he has shown any of that in any capacity since being drafted. And you're right. There were some red flags and rumors and weight issues. He's a huge lineman too, you know, which isn't surprising for these 350 plus linemen that uh, weight can be a problem. You know, maybe he could work harder. (laughs) I mean, that's not uncommon, you know, but there were some, some flags coming out of school and, to be honest, I thought that was a little early. I thought he was more of a mid-second round type, but it mm. fit the Derrick Henry replaced Jack Conklin mold. He looked like a Titan. Every time in the in the draft process, you hear so many things and so many anonymous scouts, and some of them you just roll your eyes at, and you're like, come on, man, where do you get this? But it's a real thing, and you have to vet these players as much as possible because this happens, and it happens all the time. And remember, and actually, it was the Tennessee Titans with uh, Doriel Green Beckham, right? Not that long ago, yeah, was, he, a guy that just didn't want to put the work in, and, and the sky was the limit talent wise. But when you hear these whispers, this is why because you don't want to draft a guy in the first round, which is such a valuable resource, and to essentially get zero out of it. Zero. I mean, I don't think he'll play another down as a Titan. I would imagine he gets in someone's camp and sometimes these career near death experiences wake young men up and, you know, they, they work harder in their new spot and realize that the NFL really is not for long, but I look at the Titans and think, boy, they have a lot of holes to their, their roster right now. I'm not sure at this off season, I'd be shocked if their team looks better on paper on opening day than when we saw them last. I mean, that's pretty much assured in my opinion. And I mean, would you bring Wilson to camp if you're another team? I mean, I bet they cut him in the next day or two. Yeah, if he's free, you take a look at him in camp somewhere, some mini camps, and make some decisions. But uh, if you know, if it's a, if it's really bad, you don't want him rubbing off on other people, or you just don't even want someone like that around the building if he's going to be a problem. But their talents there, and I'm sure there are some GMs. It wasn't that long ago. That I mean, you know, a player like Sam Darnold is still going to get a top fifty draft pick, and he's literally played bad for three straight years, and we've seen it on the field, right? Uh, but you know, people have evaluations, and, and first round talent can go a long way in the NFL. So I'm sure somebody not that long ago liked him a lot in the draft, maybe not as much as the Titans, but liked him enough to give him a shot and take a look at him and bring him into camp and, and hope he's got his uh, head screwed on straight. And who knows, maybe it is yeah. a, a come to Jesus moment for a player like that. So we'll see who knows, but man, that, that's a, that's a quick one to be in and out that quickly out of an yeah. organization. And maybe the lack of meetings and the lack of time that teams will have to spend with players. And I think you could really fake your way through some zoom meetings in a lot of ways. And so yeah. this off season, again, that might've played into it. Last year in the draft is the first time we've ever had a draft process like that, but at least we had up to the combine. There's even less personal contact now going on with these players, less tape to evaluate. So there might be some massive swings and misses in this draft, and there might be some others where you're getting first-round guys later in the draft just because it's that much more of a crapshoot. And I have a feeling this is going to be a more bizarre draft as far as mocks go and getting everything wrong because you know from 15 to, to 50, I mean, just flip a coin. I have no idea how to rank yeah, these guys right now the deeper I get into it. Yeah, you're right. And the scouting lesson here, and this is always held true, 
is you want people that love football, not love being football players mm -hmm. and everything that comes with it. You know, I mean, the money, the fame and all that stuff. And when you said that about the Zoom meetings, I immediately thought, I don't know if this was true or not, but if the Titans in a usual year would have had him into their building and spent the entire day with them, breakfast, take him out to dinner, lunch, tour the facility, meet with strength coaches and position coaches, it's a heck of a lot harder than to fake it for half an hour on a Zoom <laughs> meeting in the comfort of your home or whatever. Or, I mean, you get a... You find a lot more things out about the young man just throughout the course of an entire day and being side by side with them and, you know, all the little things that come with that. So that's definitely something that is missing right now in the scouting world with COVID. Yeah, and how do you it, it, it sounds crazy, but at some point you're probably in a Zoom meeting with the guy and you're like, hey, can you take your shirt off and maybe step on a scale and show us what the number is? Because we <laughs> yeah, right. you know, we haven't gotten a, a weight on you in, in maybe two months and we want to make sure that you're not out of shape because just looking at their face, you might not know. It's crazy. Right. And some of that comes down to agents. You know, like some teams have great relationships with some agents and they can say, hey, Bob, is your guy in shape? I mean, we don't, we haven't seen him in a long time. I'm trusting you. If you screw me over, I'm not going to go after your clients anymore. And I mean, I don't know who Wilson's agent is, but he may have told teams, hey, he's uh, not so he's a little soft in the middle and, you know, <laughs> not loving it at the moment. But I look at the Titans and think they still need to tackle. Corey Davis, a free agent, Johnny Smith, a free agent. I think it would be wise to be a little less Derrick Henry dependent, but mm -hmm. I don't think they can afford to do that. And their pass rush is like the worst in the league. John Robinson has been one of the best in recent years, yes. too. Uh, with the Tennessee Titans and putting them in a position to be in the playoffs and deep in the playoffs. But last offseason was not one of the good offseasons for him. That looks terrible. Now with Isaiah Wilson on top of, you know, Clowney, uh, Beasley there, you know, it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. Ooh, yeah, right. It, it, like uh, even good Some guys that might not love football. <laughs> right. Even even good GMs can uh, can screw up sometimes. That, that wasn't the best Um there was uh, the the Shane Bowen de defensive coordinator thing. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, they've had a lot of little things, and even you know Vrabel took over defense coordinator jobs. And now you're right. There's been a few little odd things throughout the course of the Titans' year, and they're middle of the pack in cap space to spend right now, and obviously picking rather late in each round. I think that division's interesting. Like I think Houston's awful with or without Watson, and the Colts kind of are who they are, and but they're you know, where that quarterback is at. It's kind of like we talked about with Carolina. I don't think you have to squint real hard to see Jacksonville owning that division two years from now. It's so insane how quickly things can change in the NFL and the difference 12 months makes and how yeah. quickly a Super Bowl window, a perceived Super Bowl window can close or how quickly you can rise up from nothing, be drafting in the top three of the draft and be in a Super Bowl one year later. Right, right. That's a great example. And you never think of Jacksonville being in the driver's seat, but assuming Lawrence hits and this is the right coach and all of a sudden people want to flock to there and you look at the rest of the division and think, I'm not sure who's built for the long haul. Absolutely. If you if that is if that quarterback hits and he's as good as advertised, a ton of draft picks, get some of those right that could turn around very quickly in Jacksonville and they could potentially own that division. All right, we got to move on to get to some of these listener questions coming up on Peacock and Williamson. How bizarre is the start to the 2021 offseason? Well, you can find odds on things like where Deshaun Watson will be traded, Carson Wentz, where Russell Wilson will be traded. What are we, what's going on? 
But even though the games are over, there's so much to bet on, so much fun you can have, so many ways to win at Bet Online with NFL futures, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball is about to get going in the spring, and of course, March Madness. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Table games, you like to play poker, blackjack. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code either. Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Join the Draft Network's Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak every weekday on Locked On NFL Draft. Every Monday through Friday, Trevor and Ben break down everything you need to know about the NFL Draft. It is NFL Draft season, so if we don't give you enough NFL Draft information here on Peacock and Williamson, and we are going to be draft heavy all the way through April, you can also download the Locked On NFL Draft podcast right here on the network. Speaking of NFL Draft, more Matt Williamson prospect rankings coming up later in the week and my mock draft 1.0 might be 1.1 by the time uh, we get to Wednesday because I'm tweaking this thing over here for my first mock draft of the 2021 offseason let's get to some questions Matt starting with Rooney he says hey just joined Twitter to follow my favorite podcast Williamson and Peacock question would it be worth the Jags to trade up for Kyle Pitts given the tight end position that has plagued us for so long and his handle mm. is at Duval so shout out to Rooney that is awesome he joined Twitter just to, to hang out with us so uh, we got to put him here on the show appreciate you Rooney and good question what do you think Jacksonville drafting first and then moving up again from later in the first round with that Seahawks pick and going up to, or the Rams pick excuse me and going up to get Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts how high do you got to go how much is the cost I, I don't dislike it I love the fit, and this is minor news, but just yesterday they said they are not going to exercise um, Tyler Eifert's option, clearly a need position. It sounds odd to say this, but a guy, a, a premier tight end might even basically complete that offense, especially if Cam Robinson's retained or even franchised. It's exactly what they need. Um, I think the philosophy, though, is – Let's get the stud quarterback, and then we, we're going to flood both sides of the roster, especially the defense, with a ton of picks. But boy, I hadn't thought of this option. And in a lot of mocks and even some ones that I've done, I've had Pitts go as high as number five to Cincinnati with the thought of Penny Sewell already got picked, and since he already signed a couple offensive linemen, like I think that's as high as he could possibly go. He might be the second or third best prospect in this draft. I mean, I think it's Lawrence, him and Chase, him and, and Penny Sewell are the premier, premier guys. So, but there are instances, you know, I was talking about different mocks and things that I've done and we'll get to yours tomorrow. He could fall to the Giants or to 12 and 13 neighborhood. If he gets out of the top eight or nine, which again is very possible Would the Lions take him, would the Denver take him? They both have young, good tight ends. I love the fit. I mean, boy, Lawrence throwing the pits with Chenault as a big physical do-it-all guy and Chark taking the top off. The fit is wonderful, and they have the firepower to do it. I don't think it's crazy talk. 
They have a ton of draft picks, not only two first yeah. rounders, but two second rounders. So I'm um, looking at the trade chart right now, and this is the old school Jimmy Johnson trade chart. Every team has a different trade chart, and you know both teams have to be willing to make a deal. But if the Jaguars wanted to package pick number 25, which according to the chart has about 720 points worth of value, and they also have the number one pick in the second round and another second rounder, they could package 25 and 33 and... That number matches up with exactly the number 10 pick, which wow. currently is owned Good by job. the Dallas Cowboys. So theoretically, they could get into the top 10 pretty easy if they find a team that's willing to move down all the way to 25. Generally, I think a team moving down 15 spots from the top 10 to 25 would ask for a future first rounder. But, you know, a pick that's one away from a first rounder at 33 could have a lot of value. And if you're just looking at the value from pick 45, their second pick here, uh, in the second round, it's got 450 points, so that still gets you up, you know, toward the top 15. So they could absolutely move up 10 spots pretty darn easy if they wanted to. And I think you're right. Once Pitts starts to fall past Carolina, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 area, uh, that is absolutely doable. And I love the fit. I like where Rooney's head's at. Yeah. I, I do too. I, I hadn't thought of that type of option, but I like it more and more. Um, and the other thing you have to think about too is. People overlook this too much. Free agency happens before the draft. So by the time that they put the card in for Trevor Lawrence, they may have already signed six defensive starters. You know, like, I mean, right. they really could. Yeah, no, and absolutely. You, can, you know, and say, we don't need as many picks as we thought. You know, we, we have the we have this firepower. We can get a special player to grow up with, with Trevor in this league. That's hard to ignore. I can see the argument that don't, don't waste resources moving up for a luxury item when you're already a bad team like Kyle Pitts, even though the fit is really nice. Yeah. Make sure you've got enough defenders. Make sure you've got Trevor Lawrence protected with the offensive line first. Uh, but if you feel pretty good about those things and you think you can draft the rest of those, yeah, I like it. Kyle Pitts, I mean, what a, what a tandem. What a way to just, what an exclamation point on a draft. And it's like, okay, we're here. We, we've got firepower on offense for sure. You add, yeah. you put, you throw a lot of that cap space at, de at the defensive side of the ball. We were talking about two years down the road, uh, maybe quicker for Jacksonville if indeed Trevor Lawrence is the real deal. Yeah, that's well said. And I'm usually in the, in the boat and, and the analytics and stuff will, will play this out. Trading down smarter than trading up, you know, make as many picks as mm -hmm. possible, build this thing slow, kind of like the Bills did or Miami is in some ways. But if he's your fourth ranked prospect in the whole draft and you can get him at 12 and it only costs you, you know, that early, early second or whatever, I mean, the difference makers make the league go round. I think Pitt's the difference maker. If it was for Fairmouth or somebody like that, no. But, right. you know, you know, this guy is special. I like that a lot. Let's go to Joshua. He says, this draft looks particularly defense light at the very top. As a team, how much do you look ahead to next year's draft when evaluating this year's prospects? Well, I think that's a dangerous game as an organization overall. But I think you're crazy if you don't do it, especially at the quarterback position. I mean, you have to have a good feel for next year there's you know, Trevor Lawrence is coming out, you know, like, I mean, everyone's aware that's an obvious one, but um, here's, here's the logic behind it is these guys change so much and COVID I think even puts a screwball to it more than ever because of opt outs and less tape to go off of, of next year's players. I mean, it's going to be hard for some of these scouts to do their summer work for next year's draft because, you know, th there's nothing new. Some of it's going to be two years old. 
But if you're an accomplished area scout and you go into Auburn every year, you know who the upcoming guys are, you know, and you tell your GM that and like, boy, this this is a loaded class in my area next year, especially at pass rusher, you know. So those type because you're dialed in, you know, you go in there and you scout a, a college. Those guys know what's coming up well, but things change quick, you know. I mean, so I think it's a little bit of a dangerous game. Like, well, next year we'll get our edge rusher. You don't know that. It's it's so hard. It's, it's so hard. nearly impossible, actually. I mean, yeah. last year at this time, was anybody talking about Zach Wilson going in the top three picks? Uh, was anybody no. talking about Jared Goff or Carson Wentz going number one, number two overall? Baker Mayfield was a day Joe two Burrow, guy. Joe Mayfield, Burrow was a Dave, Tyler Joe Murray, a, like every first yeah, overall pick, every single one. So yeah, if you <laughs> if you see people saying that, you don't know. You just you flat out don't mm-hmm. know. So it's really hard. You can look at this year's draft and know what's in free agency and say if you need a defensive tackle, there's like one defensive tackle, Christian Barmore, that's probably going to yeah. go in the top 50 right now we'll see how that turns out maybe some other guys will get pushed up but that is not a deep position in this draft so maybe if you're picking at the in the middle of the first round you draft a defensive tackle knowing that you didn't get one in free agency knowing that there's one first round legit guy draft him there because you can't get that type of player uh, with your next couple of picks so maybe well, front offices are definitely doing that yeah. right now you that's, know, you, and that's you look as far at, as i'll go yeah you know they their their draft grades aren't complete yet but they know this is a weak defensive tackle class. If I need a defensive tackle, I'll be more apt to spend money in free agency and call Namakong Sue than hope to get one in the draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, like those things, they they realize where the strengths and weaknesses of free agency in the draft are. And when both, if, I don't know, safeties are weak and there's nothing in, the, in free agency, that's when you see prices really get driven up. I mean, it's just basic, basic economics. But these right. teams know that stuff already but not next year's. I mean, they know guys that are scheduled to be free agents next year, but even that's a rough game. Right. You never know who's going to resign, who's going to get the franchise tag. Right. Even right now, yeah. and the franchise tag deadline, or the franchise tag window opens, is it today or tomorrow? Very the, soon. The I'm surprised it hasn't officially been pushed back yet. I, I thought it might up. get pushed back too, but I saw a blurb yesterday about it. I think it was from Rappaport, and he was talking about some of the players that could get the franchise tag slapped on them. First of all, you have to know what the salary cap is to apply those right. tags, which is even if it win, if the window does open today, we're not going to see any applied because nobody knows how much cap space they have. Right, which, I mean, I guess if we, it, since it wasn't postponed, unless it's about to be, and you know, while people are listening to this, it already does. Maybe we're going to get that cap number sooner than we think. That'd be nice. That would help a lot of teams out. Okay, uh, more Peacock and Williamson coming up. We'll finish up with your questions on this Twitter Tuesday. It's wintertime, which means some bad weather and which means road conditions are not ideal. Make sure your vehicle is ready for the off-season. See the NFL on the brain. Make sure your vehicle is ready for the winter during the NFL off-season and into the spring and the summer. All road conditions Keep your car ready and on the road and your family safe with the help of rockauto.com. Tires, wiper blades, if you need accessories for your vehicle, if you need anything at all involving your vehicle, it is such an amazing selection at rockauto.com and their prices are always reliably low. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com with a unique catalog, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. 
Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. There was a part two of Joshua's question here that I want to get to, Matt. It kind of ties in with the last conversation about uh, how you play the draft this year. And Joshua wants to know if we think that trading up in the draft will be cheaper this year due to the uncertainty with all the opt-outs and the the way the scouting Hmm. process has gone, the lack of in-person interviews and lack of scouting combine. Hmm. My approach, I think, and it'll be specific to every team and every team needs, but I think in general, it's better business to trade down than trade up. I mean, history has shown us that. But this year, I think I would be even more open to trade backs, you know, so maybe I would take a little less than the trade value chart that you pulled out to move back 10 spots this year if I can accumulate more picks and take more bites at the apple. So I think it's possible. I think it's possible that it's cheaper to move up this year than other years, but it's never cheap to move up for the quarterback because you're never alone trying to do that. And I think it might be opposite that there's so few consensus players that everybody values because, you know, most years there's around 20-ish players or so that teams have a firm first-round grade on and then things get sort of hairy from there. Um, This year might be fewer. So those players at the top 15 might cost more than other years because you feel those there's so many fewer players that you feel really good about and you're willing to give up more of those picks because it's such a crap shoot later uh, and vice versa maybe some teams would be will be wanting to add darts to the dartboard because there is more guesswork involved and they just want more shots to get something right see i th- think what's interesting and i'm sure every building's having these conversations too is if we are going to move around on the dra- in the draft, do we want next year's picks more than usual? Mm-hmm. You know, because we'll yeah. have a better feel for what we're buying next year. I could see that for sure. Like it, to your conversation of if the Jags move from twenty-five to twelve instead of that that early second, we want next year's first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like as the big piece. That makes total sense. And what about yeah? What about Houston in trading Deshaun Watson? wouldn't it yeah. be more valuable to add a 2023 first round pick than this year's second round pick when you, you might not know what caliber of prospect you're going to get in the forties or fifties? Probably the problem with that logic. And this is one of the things that's great about the Steelers and you know, in my lifetime, having three head coaches is that 2023rd pick. I'm probably buying for someone who's going to replace me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> No, no one has job security. You know what I mean? You know, like, yeah. that's great. But uh, the, the next GM, you know, like a lot of people gave the Browns a hard time for their, their tanking, their rebuilding. But those people before set this team up with tons of draft picks. They mm-hmm. just didn't get to use them. Right. And the ones they did use, they didn't draft well. But the process no. was right leading to the picks. They just missed on a lot of the picks. Yeah. And then this this group came comes in and is like, wow, you just gave a, a full deck. Yeah. Or even Jacksonville. They walk into, oh, you traded all your dudes or the Jets trade Jamal Adams and these guys. Thanks. We'll gladly use the picks, you know? Oh, that, that worries me a little bit for the Jaguars, though, because I like how they're set up. They got the first pick in the draft, but I'm not sold on the Urban Meyer jump to the NFL from college. The, the, the reasons yeah. you win in college football are very different than the reasons you win in the NFL. And 49ers fans can attest to how quickly Trent Baalke as GM tore apart the 49ers roster with with terrible draft picks and that's his right hand man that's his gm that i i do not have a lot of faith right there in the in the yeah. 
in the top brass of the Jaguars. That's the one caveat I have with Jacksonville. And it could go very right, but the confidence level for me personally is not super high, and I'm very interested to see how that goes. It's a great point because you know we're talking about how they can do all these great things and own the South, and not if they screw it up. I mean, it's set up <laughs> for someone to take this ball and run with it, but they better do it right, and their history isn't super strong, and your points are really, really good. Unless Burr or unless Lawrence makes your problems right, you know, you makes your wrongs right. That can fix a lot. That can fix and a lot if you have a superstar right. quarterback on a rookie contract. Let's go to Travis on Twitter. He says there are rumors going around that Marcus Mariota is on the trade block. What do you think his value is? Could he be had for a late third, early fourth? What do you think? You call up John Gruden, you call up Mike Mayock, and you say, "Here's pick number one hundred for Marcus Mariota." Do they take it? I don't think so. I, I just think they'll get better offers than that. I keep going back to New England, Washington, Chicago. They're kind of in quarterback no man's land. You know, one of them could get Mac Jones. Okay, you know, but you spend your first round pick to do it. Um, at least New England has cap space to use, but they're not in a, a prime spot to draft a guy. They have nobody in house. Mariota might be worth a lot more than that to those teams, to those type of teams that want to take a shot. From what I understand, his contract expires after this year, but he's very small cap hit. So it's not like, you know, taking on Jared Goff or something like that. So he's very cap friendly. I think they get a second in return. Yeah, one year left on his contract. It's a cap number of about $11 million. And it's not bad. There's right. a bonus structure too. So some of it becomes guaranteed like on a certain date or something. So I think it might behoove the Raiders to move him sooner rather than later, if I'm not okay. mistaken. I okay. thought I saw something about that, but I don't see it here. It is starting to be bonus time of yeah. year. And bonus season make- usually at the very beginning of the league year in early March is when some of those things hit. But either way, yeah, $11 million salary for one year. Um the Raiders could end up with nothing if Carr just plays 16 games and they don't trade Mariota and they pay $10 million for a backup. So mm-hmm. one, only one year left. I, I think third round is, is about the right area because he hasn't proven he's going to be anything for your team and you're only getting him for one year. So if he hits big, mm-hmm. then you got to pay him. So that's a tough one. It might, that, that's actually a really difficult negotiation, I think, in a trade for Mariota because... Based on you take the Marcus Mariota name away and you say, okay, look, 28 year old quarterbacks paid $11 million and he's a backup and he might not be even more than a backup for you. What are you going to pay for that? Like, that's that's an expensive backup quarterback. Uh, I'm probably not wanting to give up even a day two pick for that. But I think being the former number overall, number two overall pick, saw some flashes last year. There's probably some GMs around the league that really like Marcus Mariota. You know, third round pick makes sense. I don't think I would do it too, though. Yeah, I see what you're saying, you know, because all that makes perfect sense. Because even if I trade for him and he plays well, now I have to give him a huge signing bonus. And, you know, maybe you could make a deal throughout the year, but he probably isn't going to be at the DAC level where I can even, where I want to franchise him. I mean, he'd have to have a ridiculously good year to be in that neighborhood. Um, I'm also trying I to just, think of what, like, what would be the team fit because he's kind of stop gappy. You're still going to, it's not going to change your draft plans either. Right. So then right, you still but have I a think rookie, Washington or Chicago Washington. or yeah, Washington know, is a really good one. Those teams that are later in the first round that might be on the outside yeah. looking at it, young quarterbacks and some of the other veteran quarterbacks on the market become too expensive. And I guess you could talk the bears into just going, yeah, this is our starter. Marcus Mariota. Let's right. go. 
and then maybe draft somebody in the, in the later <laughs> rounds to compete. I think if I had to put a chip down, yes or no, red or black, is Marcus Mariota a week one starting quarterback? I would say yes. Do you agree? Oof. I would say no. Because really two things have to happen. He has to get traded and new team has to say you're our best guy. Right. And, and there's not that many teams. So it has to be. It, it kind of has to be Washington or Chicago. Now that I think about it, is there even another right, team right. that I guess New England, New England, too. New England is a good one, New England. And and how quick if they draft a player, how quickly is that player ready? They might say, oh, gosh, let's just go with the rookie anyway. But probably not could. week one, but uh, maybe. How about I mean, this? like, I was sitting there thinking Denver, but they wouldn't trade him within the division. You know, there aren't many other fits, but if one of those three teams, that might be the best they can get. And he at least has upside of maybe he, you know, him and Jameis both turn their careers around and become obvious starters in this league. I don't think that's far-fetched. Really quick to, to finish this off, and there's some other good questions that maybe we'll filter in throughout the week, and I want to thank everybody for those questions on Twitter. Did you see... Mike Tannenbaum's comments on ESPN, I believe it was right after we finished, or I saw it right after we finished recording yesterday's show, Monday. So at some point Monday, he was on ESPN. He said, Mac Jones, Alabama quarterback, that his floor, the latest he will go in the NFL draft, is pick eight to the Carolina Panthers. Either the Panthers draft him there or another team's moving up to draft Mac Jones. Your thoughts? I don't understand it. I would not be that team. I don't think Tannenbaum's lying, though, and I can understand a world where that would be true because I think he's a very safe starting quarterback, and I'm sure he's killing it in interviews, and I think that he's, he mentioned eight isn't a coincidence. Carolina coached them at the Senior Bowl. You know, that they that might be their – and we talked about yesterday how Carolina's actively – super aggressively looking for their quarterback. Mm -hmm. And they might say, Mac Jones is our fallback plan. We'll take him at eight if we don't land Watson or Dak or somebody like that. So if he knows that little tidbit, I can believe that. All I can say is I believe it to be true that Tannenbaum believes that. I don't think he's got an agenda. Uh, quarterbacks get pushed up dramatically. Jones is pretty safe. He would not be a pick for me in the top ten. And I don't hate him, but I'm just not using a top 10 right. pick on Mac no, Jones. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't dislike the prospect. I just think he's a second round prospect. But yes, when right. it comes to, because when I first saw this, I was like, okay, is Mac Jones' agent Bob Tannenbaum? Like Mike Tannenbaum's brother or something? <laughs> right. Like this, it made no sense hearing that. Because look, if you're saying, man, Mac Jones could go as high as number eight, I know the Carolina Panthers love him. They coached him at the Senior Bowl. I could see that being a pick, and that would surprise some people, right? But he's saying that's his floor. The latest he could possibly yeah. go in the NFL draft is number eight. And I just call BS on that one. I guess when you look at it through that lens, correct. I mean, that means, I mean, does Carolina, that means Carolina takes him no matter what. It's his ceiling. I don't know yeah. if that's true. But, which would also be his ceiling still. It, it would, at, at yeah. best, his floor would also be his ceiling one pick. So that's, I just, you know, so you, it's silly season. You hear so many things. I don't know what information Tannenbaum has, and maybe he's right. I just I can't buy that one. All right, I've been throwing some like yes no questions, black red questions at you. Do you think he's on the board when the Patriots pick? Yes, they're at like fifteen. I think so. I think so. Going through my mock draft exercise, and I just went through all these scenarios. Uh, I do believe Mac Jones will absolutely be on the board for the Patriots at fifteen. Do you think they'll pass on him? 
Uh, we have to find out tomorrow, Matt. Oh, how about that? There yeah. you go. Teasing. Check yep. in Wednesday for the Peacock Mock 1.0 for the 2021 NFL draft season and everything else going on in the NFL world all week long, all off season long, every day, right here, Peacock and Williamson.